Hey there, language lovers. I'm Shannon Kennedy here with my co-host Benny Lewis for our latest episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. In this episode, we're chatting with Sam, our participant in the Fluent in Three Months Challenge, about his experience learning languages with us. What's the Fluent in Three Months Challenge? Well, I'm so glad you asked. It's a 90-day program where you aim to have a 15-minute conversation in your new language. You can join us and learn more at languagehacking.com challenge. In our talk with Sam, we touch on hating language in school and growing to love them, discovering your learning style and how it leads to success, how the challenge changed the way Sam learned languages, how to work through your roadblocks in your learning, why done is better than perfect, and how novelty and newness can keep you engaged and excited about your language learning. If you enjoy this episode of the podcast or the podcast in general, we always appreciate hearing from you. You can let us know what you like most so that we can keep doing more of it over at languagehacking.com slash review. It also helps other language learners like yourself find the podcast. As always, all of the links and resources mentioned in this episode are available to you as a part of the show notes. Now let's get into our conversation with Sam. The links and resources mentioned in this episode can be found at languagehacking.com forward slash 94. Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. I'm Shannon Kennedy here with Benny Lewis and today we're chatting with Sam who took part in the Fluent in Three Months Challenge. So let's go ahead and dive right in. Sam, can you tell us how you got into languages and how your language journey started? I started like many other people. I had to pick a language in high school and I'm from Missouri and I was told, hey, Spanish is the way to go. This is back in the 90s, kind of dating myself. So I did Spanish. I hated it and hated the way it was taught in high school. And then I ended up just kind of retaining it, hated taking it in college and all of a sudden ended up in a job where I needed Spanish. And so I started using it regularly and I realized I'm an auditory learner and I really like learning languages when I figure out how I learn. And uh, my husband and I, we went to the Czech Republic. We learned Czech together for a little while. Then I've always had a huge interest in German and I love Switzerland and started teaching myself German and then came across your guys's challenge. You said that you, you really hated Spanish in school. I can, I can relate to that with uh, not, not enjoying languages originally, but how did you discover you were an auditory learner and the fact that you kind of had to learn Spanish as part of your job, were you able to turn that on its head to turn it into a passion rather than this external force? A friend of mine just said, hey, I think you're an auditory learner because I listen to audio books. I remember what people said. That's where the information was really coming in. I would say to people like, no, I thought I heard you say that. Da, da, da. So I used that a lot of that vocab and how I turned it on its head, I guess, to make it more fun is, well, having to learn it for work definitely provided some incentive. Uh, including financial, to just quickly be able to speak Spanish. And once I found that I was able to to get along in Spanish just fine, it started to bleed over into other languages. Once I learned the fundamentals, kind of the mechanics of how languages work in general. 
So you've mentioned a couple of times now that you're an auditory learner. And I think for a lot of people, they don't really understand what their learning style is or why it even matters. So you can you talk a little bit about the way learning, how you learn best has impacted the way that you learn? Yeah, so that's a good question about learning style. I was in your Fluent in Three Months challenge uh, at the end of uh, 2021. And one thing I was totally taken aback by is when people put their yay, nay report every day, they put what they did in the software they used and how many learning softwares and modalities are out there. So I got down so many rabbit holes. And what I realized is I would go look at somebody else's method and it would be like, you know, something like Rosetta Stone or one of those photo based, those visual based. And I would be turned off by it immediately. Then I would find something that's auditory based and maybe a little bit of reading. And that was, I could tell I just really gravitated toward it. So once I realized there was a reason why I liked those things and I didn't have to force myself to like one of the other modes, then I could just hit home finding what is my study pattern that works within my daily schedule and my bandwidth for learning each day. When am I most fresh to learn new information in German? And uh, I was off and running. And then I started just saving everybody else's method into a browser folder on my on Chrome. And I think I found about 35, maybe 45 other methods. Uh, but the, these two work for me. And you were saying that you had to learn in this whole process what the fundamentals were and really like how languages work in general. So um, other than obviously discovering your preference for auditory based learning materials, if you could speak to yourself at the beginning of this journey, when you were first told you had to learn Spanish, what would you tell yourself that you've learned in this process that you could give yourself shortcuts? I didn't do this in early on in your challenge, and I should have done it earlier. I think your concept of language islands, uh, I ne had never heard that until I took your stuff. And I realized my, my job was a language island for Spanish. And I resisted learning German within that same island because I thought I might unlearn the Spanish. And so I'd be out speaking to Spanish. I, this did happen a little bit where I'd be speaking Spanish to somebody and I, could, I couldn't get rid of the German words for certain things. But I wish I had just hung out someplace on a language island that I was interested in and I felt comfortable. And that gives you some basic verbs and sentence structures that you're interested in. And then you start pulling other words over to that island. And I wish I had done that faster. Uh, rather than other ways I've tried to learn German around, you know, the top 1000 words. That's not that's not really helpful for me. Or, you know, other other modes of textbooks or even teachers and instructors. We should have just stayed with what I found interesting and gone from there. You've done a lot of work studying languages on your own, and then you join the challenge where you learn as a part of a community. So I'd love to know some of the other ways that your learning has evolved into what it is today from when you started on your own. I think the big evolution is that through the challenge, I really realized I was part of a community 
I didn't know that there were other people who love to learn languages and they think about it. They try different things. They put things aside. They totally switch languages. They change gears and they're really into that. And what I did is I, I realized there was a place for me and watching other people that were way ahead of me, I could make this part of my daily hobby and routine. Coming into the challenge, I really needed a hobby. I really, I was working about 16 hours a day and almost every day of the week doing something. And I would tell myself I was having fun with it, but I really, I was, but I really needed something that was just totally for me and to play. And so I was able to start each day with my hobby. I would wake up at about five in the morning as I typically do. And I would upload news to link or uh, some other way to read and or listen to Glossica and go listen to the sentences and just start repeating and talking and what have you. And it taught me a daily structure, but also a, a way to play. And those are two things I didn't expect to get out of the challenge. So what you've described is something that we can have a lot of control over because it's your morning routine. You can decide, I'm going to pull this in from Link. I'm going to listen to this Glossica audio. And uh, there's a certain level of a comfort zone there that we're able to maintain our momentum. But sometimes things can actually go wrong and throw us completely off all of that. And I know that when you were uploading your day 90 video as a part of the challenge, uh, several things went wrong. You had mic issues. You were trying to find someone who would film with you. The conversation got a little awkward. So this is the other end of the scale that a lot of things can go wrong that could demotivate us and make us feel like, you know, can I ever leave my comfort zone? Feels like the world is a battlefield. So how do you work through all of that? I think definitely realizing that that's normal and even watching other challengers and everybody hits those roadblocks. Everybody hits some part where they stumble and uh, that that's totally normal. I think the biggest thing to do is to expect it and to try to catch it early. Like when your mov momentum is changing, when you're feeling like this is a chore, a job, it's not fun to catch that and try fast to switch gears to another software, to a speaking or writing kind of a mini challenge you'll put yourself through something to pull your interest back into the the field or into where you were to catch it early but yeah i hit i hit some real stumbling blocks i was doing great at day 60 i was ty typing up little scripts i was talking about climate change in german cuz that's all i was listening to and i love it and uh that that country is so forward thinking and trying to be an example to the rest of the world of government policy that influences its population, but also its neighbors. And so I was really into that at day 60. And then I think the momentum started it to really peter off. And I had to film the day 90 video. And I ended up with a the person I had been practicing with when I told him, hey, I need to record for 15 minutes. He goes, no, you're, I'm not okay with that. I was like, oh, you gotta be kidding. So I had to I had less than 48 hours to submit that video and I had to grab as many people off of italki and um, verbling as I could that would even reply and say, here's the issue. I'm going to talk 
you can say whatever you want, but I need to record it and you need to be okay with that. And I ended up with two people who are willing to do that. And then once I went to film it, my nephews are coming in the door and because I'm home seeing my family, it was, a, it was fine. But I think to, to expect it as normal and then to switch gears. Because after I submitted that video, when the challenge was over, I needed to be away from the daily chiming in of what you're doing each day. I, I, I was spent kind of like I had partied too hard and I just, I gave myself space to do that. And about 20 days later, somewhere around Christmas, I found myself going like, Hmm, I, I wonder what I could read and link now. And I slowly made my way back there. Speaking of accepting things and pushing through those difficult moments, you had this philosophy during the challenge that done is better than perfect. So where did you kind of develop this mindset? And what are some of the ways other than your day 90 video, obviously, um, that it helped you as you were taking part in the challenge with us? Did I say that in the in the challenge? Yeah, that's a that's a philosophy I learned in some business coaching that I'm part of, and that I now I now teach to people that are part of our program. So done is better than perfect. And just get it done. Feel glad that you got it done and move on to the next thing. Because I have other little sayings like that. And one of them is momentum breeds momentum. And that's really the trick to not sit there and look too long at the product that you created with your momentum. Just go, go, keep going, keep going. And soon you will find that you've covered so much ground. No, it's not perfect, but you look back and you're like, whoa, look at where I am. So I'm really into apps that are not only audio based, but uh, have a little bit of gamification so I can score myself and what have you. And like Link keeps track of the number of words known. Glossica, it has a number of reps that it's monitoring. It wants you to get to a certain level. And that really works well for me to keep that momentum. Even if I learn a bunch of words that I'll probably never use again, and they really don't help me, I just feel like, okay, I hit my daily goal. I'm still keeping it going, keep that momentum. That's, that's critical in language learning. Do you guys find that? Yeah, absolutely. The, the streaks can be very motivating, even if, like you said, today you may not have learned the most relevant words, you haven't lost your streak. and That can really, really help that you're, you're feeling like I've done something every single day. I know that's uh, especially something that Shannon in integrates into her learning philosophy. Is, uh, how many streaks do you have? In, in, like, What's your highest streak there, Shannon? I think I'm over 600-something right now. 600 days. <laughs> yeah, um, I can tell you in just a moment. So my highest is 632. In, in what language? Uh, Croatian. My second highest is 623 in Japanese. Wow. Wow. Way to go. <laughs> that is commitment. And if anyone listening is feeling like uh, they, they need a, a bit to catch up on that, you, you don't have to feel too bad. It's not necessary for everybody. I personally have not maintained any kind of streaks uh, in those senses. But it can be very motivating. So I appreciate that. And in terms of like vocabulary that you said, you know, you will be learning. Another tool that you use to expand your vocabulary outside of those apps and such is to listen to comedy. And I know comedy can be very intimidating. I've, tr I've tried to integrate this into some of my language lessons as well. And they can speak so quickly and use such difficult slang. It's like very advanced when it comes to uh, for language learners. So how have you integrated comedy and, and how have you dealt with the fact that 
it, this is truly advanced language learning right here. Well, I didn't realize it was advanced until you just said that. I think it, it gets back to the momentum thing because I've been listening to the news in German. And first of all, the news in German, like you're, you're easily exposed to, I don't know, maybe like a base 6,000 words or maybe even 10,000 words. Like just think of all the words they have to use on the news of like storms and buildings on fire and then economic downturn. And now we have a war, all that vocab. And I was, that was cool. And then I kept finding myself wanting them to just talk about one thing. And then the the tone was the news. I lost momentum around that. And I said, okay, Link incorporates uh, YouTube videos easily. And I found a, the Daily Show is what they call it. And, but it's a, a comedy show. It's like in America, what we would have for like, what was the Tonight Show with Jay Leno or something? And they do a little skit beforehand and it's comedy and, and what have you. And that had the same, I, mean, I don't know, maybe about 2,000 words, 1,000 words. Because they're what they tend to like to make fun of during that time is they make fun of the government. So it's the same characters where they're making fun of the prime minister and this and some climate change. That was kind of their island, if you will. And I got comfortable with that. I started to realize what they're talking about, about uh, COVID and mask mandates. They love to make fun of that and people who don't like it and do like it and protests and not protesting. And so I got comfortable with that vocab. And then it was the in-between words of the colloquial stuff and that and and hear people saying it while they're yelling and then hear the audience laugh. I would definitely slow it down to half speed to try to understand like, oh, okay, this and this. But I found the slower I did it and the more I listened to that episode several times, I would challenge myself that day to use it in my uh, daily travels. I would say some of those in-between words are just, you know, words out of frustration. I don't know how much of that we can say here on the podcast, but, you know, just the things you say when you're ticked off at something, all of that's in, in those words. And when you start talking like that, it was, it was weird. I, we do think in those terms all day long. You just think it in English, but you can easily get over to another language where you're kind of, you know, cursing out the driver in front of you in a foreign language, you know, to yourself, not like road rage, but where you're like frustrated in a foreign language. And, and then other things become accessible, other vocab around that. So that was, that, it was fun. I thought it was easy. So in addition to using comedy as a language learning tool, one of the other methods that I know you liked using during the challenge was writing and journaling. So how did you kind of fall on that method and why did you like using it? Well, I think I dabbled in it. I didn't get too far, to be honest with you. I thought it was pretty hard. What was helpful is simply, um, what do they call it? Is it? It's not parroting, where you hear something and you just say, oh, shadowing, where you hear something, you just say it like that and you hear yourself say it. I was trying to do that like straight off of link or straight off of certain German news articles where I was reading it and then I was watching myself write it. And I think I was just experimenting with that kinesthetic learning style. I found myself going through a lot of pieces of paper 
and having to sit there and write several things several times. And it wasn't in my wheelhouse of how the, that comprehensible input was sticking. It was, I was just kind of going through the motions and writing. And I found myself even starting to daydream while doing it. And I was like, eh, I'm not engaged. And so not, if there's no input, there's no need to do it. So uh, along the same lines as making sure you're using something that's definitely engaging you. I know for me personally, since I'm much more of a visual learner, uh, things like flashcards have been very central to my learning uh, philosophy. And they work perfectly for me because I see the word and that prompts me to try to remember what the translation is. And you've tried flashcards yourself and you didn't initially love them that much. Have you changed your mind on them or have you found a way that you can maybe have some kind of spaced repetition means to get exposure to your vocabulary in a way that's more in tune with your auditory learning style? Yeah, when I heard in the beginning of the challenge and the courses that you have us uh, download and what have you as part of the challenge, you're such flashcard person. I tried that really hard and I took the the words that you suggest. I even put them in the Quizlet and I was, you know, I would be at the gym and I'm just letting Quizlet just play on audio and I'm kind of saying it back. And the connection that wasn't happening is I, I was missing the context for the word. And that's just me. I wasn't to the point where I, I just needed new words. I needed a context for it that, that I think brought in the, my brain in an emotional way so that I wanted to remember that word. And I found myself wanting sentences more than I wanted words. So I started dabbling with creating sentences and putting those in Quizlet. And then as I'm watching other methods go by in the challenge, I came across Glossica, which is a very cool for me progression of easy to difficult sentences. And so it's a flashcard. It's a, it is an SRS system. And uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of that. That just happens to work for me. I, I totally agree with you. It is about repetition. And I, I, I like just saying those sentences over and over. I'll be about in the day or if, I've, if we have a long drive in the car, I'll just have it on and have my headphones on. I'm just driving along saying these German sentences and my husband probably thinks I'm nuts. And uh, then, but it's weird once I've said it like five or seven times, all of a sudden it's right there. So it'll say it in English and I'll be, and I'll, I'll just spot it out in German. And then I mark it as known. And that is helping. So you've talked a lot about how consistencies helped you with your learning and your motivation. But I know one of the other things that you did to kind of help with motivation is start with something new. So the next day you wouldn't go back to something you'd already start like been working on. Instead, you'd pick up something a little bit different to kind of get you into your studies and get you excited about them. How did you come up with that method? And what are some of the ways that you added some novelty into your learning? So what I found is in order to keep myself engaged emotionally in the material and the language, I wanted to stay within that language island, but I also wanted just new information. And as a turn of events that happened right after the challenge, one of my language islands, there was some things that happened in Germany that I just found really engaging in the way that that country approached situations as opposed to the United States. And I started signing up for the online, like paying for online periodicals that 
were an all German, but I knew I could push them into link. And each day I would just keep reading articles. There was one day where I read, I was home from work and I read, I, Glink said I read 8,000 words, just so I kept reading about this thing. I was totally engrossed because it was so forward thinking and what they were doing. And so I think that was really important. And then you're seeing the same words, but you're seeing them in different contexts. And you're engaged in, in what's happening. And I wanted to know all of the reporting about these incidents. So finding what was important to me and then and finding it, other words around it and how people were reacting to it there was very cool. And along the same lines as of uh, keeping your motivation up, we noticed that you had very, very few nay days in your challenge. You were mostly yay days. So obviously there were going to be moments when you a situation came up and you felt bad that you didn't know a word or that you were feeling low motivation, but you were still able to have ultimately a yay day. So how how were you able to maintain this and how are you able to not have the negatives ever drown out your day? Even in other domains, I don't really listen to the word no. I just don't. Like I don't listen to people. We we have our own business that helps uh, the gay and lesbian community and couples. I'm a licensed therapist. And in order to be an entrepreneur, you get hit with the word no a lot. Things you try don't succeed. You wanted a bunch of people to sign up for something or purchase a new product that you came up with. No, you know, all of that stuff. You have to have a lot of intrinsic motivation. And I don't know why. I just don't listen to the word no. When people tell me, oh, that's not, that can't be done. I just think that's stupid. So it wasn't a big deal for me to set aside 45 minutes, six days a week as part of your challenge to hang out with my language. First of all, I really needed a hobby. And there were ways that I could sometimes make it within work a little bit if I'm reading about work, but I'm reading in German. And when I don't know a word, I just kind of keep going and keep going. And just be happy with the words that I did move to known and I keep that streak going and I all of that. So I don't know why I'm like that. I think I maybe I get it from my dad who's in the restaurant business. I don't know. I just don't listen to the word no. So one of the questions we always like to ask the guests on the podcast, given that this is the language hacking podcast, is what is your definition of language hacking? I think language hacking for me that I learned through the, the podcast was finding what lane works for your brain and figuring how to double down and exploit, if you will, that process and make it as fun and invigorating as possible. And it's different. There were 68 people in the challenge and there are totally 68 different ways to do that. But if you approach it as a puzzle that you can figure out what works for you, then that's the lane you should try to stay in. I think the good news is it's finite. So once you figure out what works for you, you can hang out there quite a long time. And yeah, you'll have to branch out to keep things invigorated, but that's what it is for me. Very good. And the whole thing of your language learning story got kicked off with this pressure to learn Spanish, but it's evolved so much over the years. And what, what do you see now as your future in language learning? Now that you've got all this momentum with German do you see yourself uh, potentially going uh, to Germany for a long spot or do you want to maybe take up other languages? What do you see in your future? I don't really, I don't feel like I'm where I want to be with German yet. And I can feel that it's 
right around the corner where I just notice my daily comfort of and the the goals, the gamification goals that I set for myself are right around the corner and it actually is working. So this year, I think we're going to go to Germany for at least a week. And my goal is to just speak almost the entire time, even before the challenge, when I knew maybe 500 German words, when I go there, I would totally fake it. I would be like, okay, we're going to go into a restaurant. I'm going to need to know this and this and this. And these are the sentences I'm going to definitely try to use before I try to switch to English. And I did that in Czech. I did that in French. I uh, definitely do that in Spanish. So it's all that I don't listen to the word no stuff. I just kind of go, go, go until I get it right. But I think I want to go there and see how far I get in real life with German. And I don't I don't have a big desire to move on to something else yet. And I'm comfortable with just this and see how far I get. Excellent stuff. Well, this has been absolutely fascinating. You've had loads of um, very motivating tips for us today. So cool. thank you very much for joining us in the podcast today. Thank you so much for the invite and for creating this space for other people like me. It's it's completely profound. And I'm I'm glad I have a hobby, a real one. That's amazing. Great stuff. So thank you again. And to everybody listening, we will wish you all a very happy language learning. Happy language learning. So at the end of each episode, Benny and I like to share something that we took away from our conversation with the guest on the podcast. And these are things that we pick out that are immediately actionable. So there's something that you can try out in your language learning this week and see how they work for you. So Benny, why don't you go ahead and start? What was your takeaway from our conversation with Sam? Loads of great takeaways. Uh, one that stood out for me was, I think, something that influences his very clearly positive attitude. And that's to expect roadblocks. I think this is a little counterintuitive that you wouldn't imagine an optimistic, positive person to be pessimistic. But it's this this level of realism can really change things that instead of being disappointed and feeling let down when something goes wrong, you plan for things to go wrong. And you try to, like he said, you try to catch them early and be able to switch gears that you are open to switching to other software and other apps. Or if you've been doing mainly listening, you're ready to switch to more speaking. So these are things that are going to happen no matter how well planned out your language learning process is. You're going to reach plateaus. You're going to have days where you're feeling like you're not doing anything of significance. And you have to expect that this will happen. And that's a good thing because it means that you're open to then having a dynamic learning process that adjusts for that. So that was a big takeaway. What about uh, for yourself? I would have to say that my takeaway was his mindset on breaks. He had mentioned that after his day 90 video, he just needed to be done and step away from it for a moment. And he mentioned it in a way that was like, yeah, it's totally okay. I need to take a break from this because I just did something really intensive. And I think for me at least, and I think maybe for a lot of people as well, we focus so hard on not taking those breaks. It's like, I can't take these breaks. I can't lose this momentum. I have to keep it up. I have to be consistent. And we talked about my streaks earlier. So I'm very obviously that school. So I think accepting 
that breaks are a natural thing and that we do sometimes need them and to plan for them and then to accept them. Because I think that's the hardest thing. It's like, okay, it's like, I need to take a break. I'm going to take up the break. But the whole time we're taking the break, we're going, oh, this break. Oh my goodness. I can't know. <gasps> I have to get back to it. At least I am. I don't know about you, Benny. But <laughs> and then we're all we're thinking about is like, how are we going to get back in? Once this break is over, what am I going to do to get back into it? How am I going to pick like things back up? Where am I going to start? Am I going to pick it back up the way that it is? And we spend the whole break worrying about getting back into it and not appreciating the break and just like accepting that break. So I think that that was really my takeaway from the conversation. So, all right, that wraps this episode. Once again, if you enjoyed this episode, our conversation with Sam, you can let us know over at languagehacking.com slash review. And of course, if you enjoy the podcast in general, we always appreciate hearing from you. So let us know what you think. The links and resources mentioned as a part of this episode are available to you as the show notes. And until the next time, happy language learning. Happy language learning. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Addict, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this episode valuable and want to help us out, please leave a review at languagehacking.com forward slash review. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis, Shannon Kennedy, and Elizabeth Bruckner, and produced by Katie Pascoe, with special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team. Theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy. Find the show notes at languagehacking.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening and happy language learning.